you have tuned into Surviving Fundamentalism, a podcast with Richie X, where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, you most likely mm, probably will have a problem with this shit here. But it's okay. It's okay. Grab you a little wine for the stomach's sake. Tap in. Tune in. Let's have a good time. Expecting people to do what you would do in a situation only leads to your disappointment. Not theirs. They're going on with their life. So let people be who they are and either you accept it or you don't. Hello, hello, hello. It is me, the one, the only, the Richie X. Yeah, I'm back before you. It's been a while. I know I gave you a, a, a decent two-parter last week. Um, in connection with my friend, uh, over at God is my special interest. Hope you all went and listened to the first version. Last week I had more listeners than I have ever had on this show for an episode. And I see that you all have been going back and catching up on the show. And I thank you so much for listening um, I'm so glad to be back in your listening ear. This show will probably not be a traditional, um, although what show episode of mine is. Um, uh, I'm going to get right to it, right? Because I don't have a lot of space, if you will. Uh, you know, I wanted to get you all an episode before the month was out. Um... And I want you all to excuse my um, irregularity, if you will. You know, I've talked a lot. I've been doing a show for almost three years. Um, and uh, there's a lot of episodes that some of you have not heard. Um, hopefully you can go back and listen to the ones you haven't heard. Um, as I just get it together. Come on, somebody. Um, I'm just trying to get it together. And as you all heard in our conversation um, in the last episode, you know, I think we talked about it on air, but there's only so, you know, I do this work because I'm passionate about it. Um, And... I don't know anyone with my particular intersections um, and my particular story. My story and my journey is very, very, very peculiar. And, you know, when I was going through it, I was going through it alone. I didn't have anybody. I didn't have a me. And, um, you know, one of the reasons I do this, do this show is because I didn't have a me. And I know that somebody will stumble upon um, this episode. When I was deconstructing, all I had was white atheists who had completely done away with God and wanted nothing to do with God and wanted nothing to do with the institution. All of which I understood but didn't understand because I did not feel the same I wasn't in the space where I, I just wanted to be rid of everything I had come to know. Uh, and I was more in a space where I just wanted to kind of 
figure out what the hell was going on. Um, and as I've been able to do so over the years, uh, so much has just um, changed. I hope I've been able to kind of be that voice crying in the wilderness. Come on, somebody. Because many of us are having wilderness experiences of our own. And as we are navigating these spaces, um, we are just uh, working it on out the best we know how with what we got. And hopefully I th this work that I do here is a work that you all are finding that you are um, truly able to identify with and and, and uh, understand. Um, and so we're going to get right to it. But before we do, I want to introduce myself again. My name is the Right Reverend Richie X. I am black. I am fat. I am queer. I am autistic. I have ADHD, I am working class, and I'm here, I'm queer, I'm in your listening ear, and this is Surviving Fundamentalism, the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely, you probably know you will have a problem with this shit. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, once again. I am incredibly grateful for uh, just being able to be here, as I've said already. So we're going to get right into our topic for today. Today's episode is not necessarily going to be um, the most traditional, but I've, you know, I've had this in my mind. I think I've talked about this a little bit before. Um... But there was there's there's always been something about this verse or this section of verses that has always bothered me. And it is the verse where the Apostle Paul is said to have said, uh, O wretched man that I am, for who shall deliver me from this body of death? Um and um it is Romans seven and twenty-four. Um, and, uh, and, and so I want us to talk a little bit about this, um, because I've thought about these verses over the years. This is one of the, you know, go-to verses during my personal study time. The go-to chapters were always like, you know, five, six, seven, and eight in Romans. Um, and, um... I've come to this this point at a bunch of different times in my life, but I wanted to kind of, kind of, kind of go through these verses and what what what's happening here. Um, so the you know the writer starts out with um, we'll say Paul for this, you know, it's what we know that Paul wrote this, and so you know he is talking about um the law and he's using this example of marriage and he's you know and I, i'm i'm going to be reading from the uh new international readers version um just because that's what came up and um i do have my personal uh text here but i'm enjoying this 
version better for what I'm uh, intending on doing today. Um, but he says, brother and sister, brothers and sisters, I am speaking to you who know the law. Don't you know that the law has authority over us only as long as we are alive? For example, by law, a married woman is joined to her husband as long as he is living. But suppose her husband dies, then the marriage law no longer applies to her. But suppose that woman get married again while her husband is still alive, then she is called a woman who commits adultery. But suppose her husband dies, then she is free from that law. She is not guilty of adultery, even if she marries another man. And uh, he goes on to say, brothers and sisters, when Christ died, you also died as far as the law is concerned. Then it became possible for you to belong to him. He was raised from the dead. Now our lives can be useful to God. Our sinful nature used to control us. Used to control us. The law stirred up sinful longings in our bodies. So the things we did resulted in death. And now we have died to what used to control us. We have been set free from the law. Now we serve in the new way of the Holy Spirit. We no longer serve in the old way of the written law. So there's a lot here, right? There's a lot of uh, assumption that is um, happening in this term. Um, but he's saying that he's speaking to people who who know the law, who understand these uh, concepts by way of, of Jewish law. Um, you know, essentially where women are property. Um, and that property does not get, um, is, is not freed to, to be anywhere else until, be with anyone else until her husband has, has, uh, died and then she can be married to another. Um, otherwise that property must remain single and the property of this man until he has passed on. Um, and uh, even in giving a divorce, you know, divorce decree, um, as Moses did, that woman is still supposed to, you know, remain a marriage because she is the property of that man that she is married to by way of the law and the custom, right? And so, um, very, very interesting points there. I'm not going to get into the conversational marriage because I don't care about that. Um, but the other points that he's raising, um, depends a great deal, right, on, um, the belief in the resurrection of Christ, the resurrection, the resurrection of, of Jesus and, 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 and how this idea, I believe he says, in a few uh, chapters early, I mean, I mean, really, you have to read in context what what's happening here. He in in the chapter beforehand, he talks about uh, dying and rising with Christ. Right? He says, "What shall we? 
uh, sorry, I'm reading King James, which is in my mind, and, and, and read a different version in person here. Uh, what then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means how we can, how can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So here is where Paul is um, really kind of laying down a lot of the the doctrine surrounding this uh, New Testament group um, and really sort of reconciling these uh, Old Testament ideas and doctrines and understanding about uh, Adam and and uh, Abraham and 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 he says for, for righteousness was imputed unto Abraham because he believed um, and so uh, you know he is definitely showing his knowledge of the law. As we know, Paul was a student of the law, and um, he's giving us um, uh, atonement theology here. And 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 as if you go back to um, the episodes that I did on biblical literalism, um, I actually talk about um, atonement theology, where it comes from, and. Um, and, and, and all of that, I dive uh, deeper into that. And, um, but essentially, you know, you have Paul kind of laying this, like I said, reconciling uh, this Old Testament God, right? Because we have, the Old Testament God is bloodthirsty. Right, we all know it. <laughs> we all know it, and 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 thus requires a sacrifice, and thus requires a major sacrifice, particularly to bring in those who um, had been previously considered unclean um, and separate, completely separated from God, um, because of their unbelief and because of their. Um, not connecting to or believing in or carrying the principles um, of Judaism, right? And so Paul is 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 having to to reconcile all of these things. And and in in the beginning of Romans, we have Paul uh, re rebuking uh, those who 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 know the way, right? Who have um, you know, he's talking about those who have who have uh, uh, who know the Jewish way and how basically they uh, denied their faith, walked away from their faith, were consumed with other things, including what he calls the works of the flesh. And then he says, um, and, and and the wrath of God is revealed from from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of those who by their wickedness suppress the truth. And so basically those who have uh, maybe gone into other gods, believed other things, um, or have not taken to the faith 
um, this new faith movement that is that becomes called uh, Christianity. Um, and and he's basically saying they they denied God. They gave up God for the lust in their hearts and they wanted to be impure and they wanted to and, and they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And so Paul is making a lot of very, very bold claims again, because this is a person, right, who has studied the law, become a student of the law, who is completely given to the law. But as we will see when we get around to chapter seven, he can't abide by the law and has accepted that he can't do it. That he would never be able to do it. And that's why he says, oh, wretched man that I am for who shall be able to deliver me from this body of death. And so you you have this 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 man who is ragging on these people who have. uh, He basically calls them ungrateful and says that they were taken. They were filled with every kind of wickedness, evil covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, craftiness. You know, Paul is really on um, his high horse, especially in terms of reconciling all that has happened um, amongst the uh, Jewish folks and, um, and, and now those who have come to uh, accept um, the gospel. And so he's digging into circumcision and he's talking about, he goes into more of circumcision of the heart and, you know, he's quoting all the scriptures from the prophets, uh, you know, you know, uh, for the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things, you know, he's, you know, he's really lining it up, right? Um, one, so that the Gentiles can, can, can can understand that and he goes on into romans 10 to say that they were engrafted in that because the other uh, uh branches of people who had believed in this uh uh um the god of the jews uh because they didn't take to this uh uh, who he believes to be the savior, this gospel that 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 the Gentiles, those who were once cursed of God, uh, who were believed to have cursed the name of God, and all these other detestable things, right? They have been engrafted in. They have been the brand their branches where they had fallen away due to their disbelief, their unbelief. They have now been engrafted in because of their faith in in uh, the promise of Christ. And, um, here is where he's basically goes into, we're, we're up at chapter three, four, where he's talking about Abraham for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And so he's basically saying the righteousness of God is imputed unto Abraham by his belief long before any of that. And because of his belief, because of his faith, that uh, uh, his iniquities are forgiven and his sins were covered. 
Um, and so we see all of that. I'm not here to preach that to you. I want to get to a, a bigger point, but we have to read it in context. Um, and so he's going all through, uh, you know, then he goes into the first Adam and the second Adam where he's comparing uh, Jesus uh, sort of as, as God's do-over. God's got a second time around and he's got an opportunity to do do it all over. Um, this time in the person of, in the person of Christ, and he has come to save the people from their sins and, um, justify them according to their faith. Since we are justified by faith, he says in five, one, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, basically we are now freed from the wrath of God because we believe on Christ and now are justified, um, made, uh, holding him by our belief. Um, and it's, it's very, very, very interesting to me because I'm, I'm thinking now of the bastardization of uh, what the Christian movement became um, and how you have somebody like Paul really trying to rectify these two worlds, right? And, 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 and kind of bring them together and teach one about the other Um and then teach the other about why these uh, new people have even come to exist in this space and, 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 and really just co-opted their belief systems, their ideas, uh, their customs about sacrifice and um, death and resurrection and, 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 and all of that. But we get on to the sixth chapter where he says, what then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? Because Paul is 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 now about to get into his jig. This is where he, um, you know, because he he talks a, a real good game. Uh, in in the fifth chapter, he says, "For just as by the one man's disobedience, Adam, that many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous." So, so, so because Christ obeyed or, or Jesus or, or, or Yeshua obeyed, uh, uh, God and went through and was the sacrifice, um, and was resurrected. He says, um, but the law came in with the result that the trespass multiplied, um, because, all of these laws were written and published and, and commanded to be honored amongst the Jewish people. You know, Paul has this belief system that because um, the law was given, it, it made that much, many more people sinners. So his foundation is this Jew, uh, this Judaic law, right? It, that's his foundation. He believes it in his core without question, um, in a very literal way. Um, Paul is very extreme, um, dogmatic. And so his foundation is the, are, are these laws in which he is saying the law came 
And it made that many more people sinners and that many more people then became rejected of God and that many more people um, died deaths and committed sins and the greatest debaucheries. And here we are. But Jesus came to free us from the law of sin and shame. And I think I know this has sounded very preachy to y'all, but y'all know me well enough to know I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to go there. So because the law is Paul's foundation, and you notice this a lot in fundamentalist preachers who are all Paul's children. It has to be your foundation. It is his moral fiber, and it defines everything that he ought to be and that he believes everybody else in the world ought to be and what they should have been living up to, even though he can't live up to it. But this is what it is. And so he wrestled with himself because he couldn't live up to it and he felt like a failure. And 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 um 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 but but Jesus came and now he feels like he's been given uh I don't know the strength. Uh Jesus is this um perpetual sacrifice that he doesn't try to take advantage of it, but he also understands that Jesus has fulfilled the law. And so because Christ has fulfilled the law in his body and was resurrected unto new life, thus Paul believes that when he was baptized, he was buried with Christ. And then when he arose in the baptism, he was uh, uh, he rose a new creature and is therefore able to apply his new creaturism to the way that he exists. But Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, not that I was. So he still says that he is wretched even still. It's a weird dichotomy that has a lot more to do with self-hatred um, and a very, very, very limited ideology um, and a mindset that does not make total sense in the grand scheme of things. The whole world became sinners because laws were created by a man in the name of God. That must be followed or people would be stoned to death, killed, thrown out, whatever the case may be, most likely killed, um, bloodthirsty, of course. Um, and, 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 and this is the foundation of everybody in the world becoming sinners. But also, you know, um, you know, and those, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> Woo! Excuse me. Sorry about that. Did not have time to pa uh, uh, pause. But he starts to talk about the newness of life, walking in the newness of life. And I, and I often wonder what that means. Because I remember being a Christian and reading these verses and, and getting up from prayer and being like, oh, walking in the newness of life. Walking in the newness of life. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> what is it to walk in the newness of life? What does it mean? How do we go about it? Yeah. He says, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, so that burial, that baptism, and we will certainly be united with him in his resurrection like his. So the baptism is a symbolism, but he's saying also after we physically die, we're going to be raised. Uh, 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 those who have believed 
And it really is, you know, comes down to a matter of belief and, and, and do, have you put your faith, uh, in this, uh, savior that you will be resurrected, uh, with him. Uh, we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed. We might no longer, and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. So Paul believes that there are several things you can't control here. Sin, the law, death, and his body. He believes all those things are just running wild. But I believe that that's because his moral compass is off. He's deriving his morality from a system that has been proven to not work. But he is still trying to honor and hold on to this system. It doesn't work. It's not real. It only exists in his mind so rather than creating a system that is realistic that works based on doing unto others as you would have them do unto you based on a personal standard of morality i don't want to hurt you because i don't want you to hurt me i want us to live in harmony because i want to live in harmony but no it is about the law, the tit for tat of the God and the law in between. And so I've always wondered about this body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. What is this sin that we are enslaved to? Enjoying a cocktail? Cussing a bitch out who get on our nerves? Doing a two-step? Hanging around your family and friends. Getting your boss together who keep trying you. What is the mindset that we are expected to have? When I was in church, I always wondered this. I used to be like, huh, okay, what's, what's going on? What y'all want us to do? Give me clear lines. That's how I ended up in them extremist-ass churches. Because I always needed clear lines. What are you trying to tell me to do? And, and how I'm going to get there? Because I don't know what this is. For whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We're dead to the flesh. No, you're not. No, you're not. That's why you're still struggling. Oh, wretched man that I am. No, you're not. You're not dead. All that symbolism, just for you to still be struggling and reading this literally and crying and screaming and hollering in your prayer closet because you just can't get it together. You just can't stop touching yourself. You just can't stop masturbating single people. You just can't stop. You can't stop thinking about the girl with big titties or the man with the big dick or the dude with the sweatpants that come to your job. You just can't stop thinking about them. So, ooh, Lord Jesus. You must be going to hell. You must be a bad person. You must be an evil person. Don't get me started on the creation of thought sins. As a man thinking, so is he. Okay, so now you think it. Now you send it. Now you did it. Now you feel all the shame and all the guilt. So much of the religion, including the way the, the, the style of which we worship, is so much about shame. Shame. 
That same shame that shame that Paul goes on to talk about. It's almost as if you need that shame. That shame is a part of your journey. Because Paul told him so. Paul told you you got to have this shame. My old pastor used to say, you ought to hate yourself. Because if you hate yourself, you'll be the way God made you. But that's, that's, very, that's very Pauline of him. Very, very Pauline of him. Because there is no, there is no, when Paul talks about lovers of themselves, who are the lovers of themselves? They are the, to Paul, they are the, the, the derelicts of society. Those who have turned their backs on God. Those Jews who have denied the faith and, and didn't accept the gospel. Lovers of themselves amongst each other. Oh, they, they, and, and they often compared to homosexuals. Ooh, evil people have turned against the nature of God. That's the only time Paul talks about loving yourself. There is nothing to do with self-love and, and, and internal, internal and personal morality. It is always about some, some facade, something, some performative idea of religion, some symbolism, some something that's deemed to be spiritual or deep. And Paul just wasn't that deep. He just wasn't. I know the saints like to make him think he is. He wasn't that deep. He was miserable. He was miserable, a miserable student of the law who constantly compared himself against things that everybody else knew was impossible that he didn't know was impossible. Let me tell you something. My autistic ass used to be in church trying to do this shit law upon law, precept upon precept. Don't make no mistakes. Walking in the straight line, walking a tight rope. And I found out years later that them motherfuckers wasn't doing none of that shit I was doing. They didn't give a fuck about none of that shit. They had their personal relationships with the God of their understanding, but theirs was not, they were not driven by the hard lines of autism in the ways that I was. Or shame in the ways that Paul was. They had some shame because, of course, you can't be in a fundamentalist church and not have no shame, particularly around the exploration of your own body. Come on, somebody. Uh, and so there's all this shame that's mixed in with that. Shame for sex. Shame for the thought of having sex. Shame, shame, shame to the USA. God damn it. Um, and so, um, you know, Paul says, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Again, like I said, that sounds very nice. What does it mean? Dead to sin. And then you just go on and add the list of things of do's and don'ts. I'm dead to sin, but you just said that women are the property of the man she married. And she not free from being his property until he dies. So if I if I came into church and I'm in a second marriage and my first husband is still alive, I'm an adulteress. And in order for me to accept your gospel, I've got to get away from this partner. Now I know the church has have bent the rules on adultery because, you know, that's what the folks do. But we saw right here what it said. 
And so I don't try to add nothing to it, take nothing away from it. I just know that the Saints going to do what they want to do. When they need to bend the rule, they're going to bend the rule. They ain't going to bend it for no homosexuals, but they're going to bend it when it comes to them having a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth husband or wife in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so that's what the people do. But they bend it. But it ain't supposed to be bent. It's supposed to be straight line. And straight line says if your husband's still married, you still the property. If your husband's still alive, you still that man's property. So 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 how then? Being dead to sin mean I gotta come out of the man who loved me and 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 either go back with the man who was busting me upside my head or or don't be married at all, right? That's that's what the books say. And the folks in real fundamentalism and deep holiness, they'll tell you that. You got to come out. <laughs> you got to come out of that second marriage because you're an adulterer. You're an adulteress if you're doing it. Come on, somebody. Um, the death, he died. He died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your body to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. So your body is everything but a body, right? Everything but autonomous. Your body is everything but autonomous. It's an instrument. It's a vessel. Uh, it's, it's something to be used of God. Um, whatever it is, it's not your own. And that's because Paul's body was not his own. Paul went from being lorded over by the law and the rabbi and, and all the Pharisees and Sadducees that was teaching him. And he went from there to being lorded over. The law had already done its job in Paul. Paul would never be happy because Paul was so unwilling to let go of the parts of the law that don't make sense. Paul believed he was a prisoner. Calls himself that several times. He believed that he did not have a choice and that his, his portion on earth was misery. And he believed that it must be so. Um... As some sort of um, uh, uh, comparison to the, the the pain that Christ had underwent in his death. And so Paul says, what then should we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. There are so many rules. How could you not sin? Oh, no, 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 but we have an advocate for the Father when we do, right? So, you know, we, we're going to do the things you say not to do because we are human in a human body trying to live up to a system that we know is not real and we know does not work. But because somebody said it, 
You've got to do it. So you just, you're supposed to just stay on the hamster wheel. And eventually you're going to reach the speed you're supposed to reach. And if you don't, the Lord may still have mercy on you and you may still get to reign with him because of your faith. Amen. It's a wake up call until the church, the church, black or otherwise, confronts, not combats, confronts this issue of human sexuality and homosexuality, which is not going away. Homosexuals and homosexuality is not going on away. If every gay person in our churches left, or those who have an orientation or a preference or an inclination or fantasy, if everyone left, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have a church. There is not one single thing that has ever happened to you or will happen to you that will be wasted. Everything is there showing up to make you more of who you were meant to be. So it says, do you not know that if you were present, if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves to sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you have been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Slaves of righteousness. There's nothing, nothing good about being a slave. There's nothing enjoyable about being a slave. There's nothing... Uh, uh, autonomous about being a slave. There is no freedom. But Paul didn't need freedom. He wasn't trying to be free on earth because Paul counted freedom and happiness and, and, and the enjoyment of life as, 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 as frivolous. That's why he didn't even believe in marriage. It was like, that nigga was like, I, I, I want, I want problems. You know what I mean? Like, he's just like, I want problems. I want, I want struggle. I want pain. I want all that. That's what Paul was saying. Paul did not want to be a kind, moral human being, teaching other people how to be a kind, personally moral, loving human being. Love is not a part of this. Because Paul is, is wrestling with his shame. He doesn't want to be autonomous because autonomous means Paul doesn't trust himself to be a good moral being. And I'll tell you this much. When I was in fundamentalist religion, I didn't trust myself to be a good, moral, kind human being because I wasn't. I was so busy trying to be good enough for God that I wasn't being good enough to myself, that I wasn't loving myself, that I was filled with self-hatred, anti-blackness, anti-everything that I am. Because I'm doing it for a God, a thing that exists outside of me. 
And it wasn't until 2018 when I was praying one morning in the wee hours of the morning and I said, I love you, God. And it just hit my consciousness as hard as possible. How can you love something outside of yourself that you have never seen and you don't even love yourself? Love is God. And it must begin within yourself before you can ever even love a thing outside of yourself. So when we go, God, I love you. What do you love? The work of God begins inside of you. Because when you love yourself, when love is abounding ever in you, you will give yourself the love that you believe a God would give to you. When love is, is in you, you will give yourself the things that you need from a God. And that love will, that work will grow outside of you into loving other people. Your moral conduct will change. And you will be able to look at other people who are like you in human and divine energy. And, 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 and you will be able to say, I don't want to do to this person what this thing, what was done to me. I don't want to harm this person. You will see the humanity of our, our shared experiences in that love. That's the love that you want to abound in you. Be, give yourself the grace that you want from a God. Give yourself the love, the mercy, the kindness, the long suffering that you desire from a God and watch the work of love, which I believe to be God, transform your life and the shame will fall off of you and you will get free. To really get the help you need because a whole lot of us who exist in these extremes really have hidden mental illnesses that we've never been diagnosed with because we've been covering them up with church. Come on, somebody, you ought to get free for real. When you start loving yourself, you'll, you'll be able to say something ain't right. Something ain't right about the way I treat myself. Something ain't right about the way I treat my friends. Something ain't right about the way I'm giving all this attention and affection and kindness to God and I'm ignoring my children and I'm ignoring my loved ones. I can watch a person die in front of me and not care, but I can go to church and worship God with all of my heart. When really all that worshiping is often is ritual and 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 self-absorbedness and distraction and shame and sadness and all and dopamine experiences. Come on, somebody. I'm walking heavy today. Okay, when I used to be in the Pentecostal church, I used to have a friend that used to say, Come on, Pastor, you in the house like roaches. Okay, I'm in the house. Like roaches, come on, somebody, and don't just spray no raid, because I'm coming down your aisle. Okay? So when we are in this, you know, when, when, when you are so deep in, you are reading these words of Paul and you are like, mm, God, yes. Whew. I just 
just want to feel. I just want to be. I just want to be right for you, God. You get right for yourself. You show yourself love and kindness. You show yourself grace. Think about every area in your life that you need a little grace. Think about every failure. It wasn't until I was able to give myself the grace and the love and the kindness that I expected from a God that I was able to see myself. And 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 then to know that I needed to go and, and, and get help and get an understanding of who I really was and what had been going on on the inside of me all these years. But you can't see your truest self when you are wrapped up in the shame that is given to you in the same law that Paul says we shouldn't do away with. I'm walking, I'm walking, I know it, I know it. Ain't nobody got to say amen. Amen lights. <laughs> I'm silly, but I'm serious. Come on, somebody. The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin, and enslaved to God. The advantage you get is sanctification. Separation. Uh, the end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. I think about that sometimes. What, 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 what is that? What is eternal life? Many of us have gone through a lot of hell in, on, on earth. And I, and I think what Paul's trying to do here is saying, you know, many of us don't want life to end, but life is inevitable that life is going to end. But at least, you know, if you uh, believe, then you have the potential to have everlasting life with Christ Jesus and that you'll be resurrected with him and that you'll reign with him. All that sounds very fanciful. But what's the point? Because you have the opportunity, you know, you know, because you are, as you all know, Paul's not talking about hell here because it doesn't exist. It was an invention that came along later. Um, but that's why he talks about death, right? Because you have death, which is just you die, the end. And then you have resurrection, which are those who are are, are are resurrected to reign with Christ, and 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 so, you know, but 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 but, good. If you are enslaved to uh, Christ in this life, and, and you know you know these words, slaved and enslaved and bound and, cha, my folks was in. in Slavery enslaved in this country for over four hundred years. You might want to look up what 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 slavery means, and they use this book to do it. They use this book to torture enslaved African people in this country. In the name of Jesus. So I don't want to be a slave. To Paul's God. I don't like Paul. I know I'm not going to like his God. 
I know that's heavy for some of y'all, but come on, keep walking with me. Keep walking with me. Romans 7 and 7. What then should we say that the law is sin? By no means. Paul don't like that. He don't like that because, you know, he, he loved his law, child. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> Who gives a fuck? We live in a capitalist society. Our whole entire makeup is coveting. It's how we function as a society that's bent on making money off of people. So the idea of coveting, wanting what you have does not hurt you. Taking what you have without your consent is harmful. But it also depends on the morale, right? If I go and take diapers and food to feed my child, I don't think I've done anything wrong. Because we can go, God will provide, God will provide, God will provide over and over and over again, and, and, and everybody's still hungry. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, mm -hmm, I still need some food. And so this is why we must create a, 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 a true moral standard as a people that's not flat and cold and 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 just binding and 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 be enslaved to nothing that's 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 just unmovable in that way apart from the law sin lies dead Another thing, too, Paul says, well, I wouldn't have known not to covet if the law had said not to covet. You be minding your, you be minding your business. And if you want what that man got, you just want what that man got. Who needs the stress of having to think that you have betrayed a God that's so easily offended by the fact that you want the same horse that that man got across the street from you? These are laws that people sat down and it was like, oh, this will work for our little group of people. And then you get Paul and the Europeans and all of them spreading all this shit around the world with no real concept of, 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 of actual uh, philosophy, critical thinking. I know y'all think Paul was deep, but he wasn't. This nigga's not deep, bro. Sorry, I went a little too hit there. This man is not deep, dude. Uh, <laughs> but like, it's just, you know, we, we gotta think. Put your thinking caps on. Okay. Paul says, I once, I was once alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin revived. And I died. And the very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. So, because Paul was chilling like the rest of us before some crazy ass Christian came along and told us something was wrong. Or we learned from some telecast or something where somebody said something 
that we was doing was wrong. And it was minding our business. We wasn't harming nobody. The shit we was doing was consensual. We was chilling. Wasn't harming ourselves. Wasn't harming nobody. And somebody came along and said, tap, tap. That's a sin. And now you struggling with it for the rest of your life. Now all you feel is the same shame and self-hatred that Paul is saying that he's carrying because they've now taken their idea of what is sin and put that onto you. And now you just got to walk around with that. Particularly if you believe them. For sin, seizing an opportunity in the commandment, deceived me. And through it, killed me. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. Drama. Drama. No, it didn't. It didn't kill you. No, it did not. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and just and good. But that's what, that's one of the things that the Jews are constantly repeating. That Jewish folks are constantly repeating to themselves about the law. That is good, that is just. You see it all through the text. Because those laws were designed to keep them alive. In a world where they were and still are really a minority. So it's, it's these these laws are really praised as 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 sort of the end all be all. They're just they're good. They're just they're good. They have to be just. They have to be good because because before these, what were we ever doing? It's such a fucking logical fallacy. It's just it's such a fallacy. Um, he says, "Did what is good." Then bring death to me. By no means it was sin, working death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin through the commandment, might become sinful beyond measure. I was chilling, somebody told me some shit was wrong. Now it shined a light on the fact that I'm, I'm wrong. But it's very funny because Paul in the same book in chapter 14 basically talks about putting a stumbling block in your brother's path. If that brother doesn't believe that this is sin, that something is sin and you tell him that it's a sin, now you put a stumbling block in his path and now he's got to trip over something for however long because you have now made this person question his natural consciousness. But this, Paul's saying this right here. Like, that's all normal and good. You know, um, in, in 7 and 14, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into slavery under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not what I want. But I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. I'm going to read this from a different version. Because this whole little chapter right here, this whole little thing right here is a little, gets a little funny. Gets real funny. Um, but he says, we know that the law is holy, but I am not. I have been sold to be a slave of sin. 
I don't understand what I do. I don't do what I want to do. Instead, I do what I hate to do. I do what I don't want to do. So I agree that the law is good. What are you talking about? I know what he's talking about because I've lived it, but it's just what? As it is, I am no longer the one who does these things. It is sin living in me that do, does them. Ooh, I'm getting ready to cut y'all up right here. Because I had to cut me up on this. This separation from you. You, the fucked up human being who has not ever been able to question or challenge your way of being, your style of moral conduct, the way you treat people, the way you show up in relationships, your own misogyny, your own misogynoir, the hatred of black women, your own homophobia, transphobia, all of the isms. You have never challenged these things and you show up in the world as you are and you separate yourself from the things that you have done to harm other people and yourself. That's you, baby. That's you. You was raised in a capitalist, male patriarchy, racist, white supremacist, sexist culture. It's ingrained in you through television, homophobia, transphobia, all that shit is ingrained in us. And we've all got to do the work to unpack and unlearn. But as long as you are caught up in the sauce of this foolishness, it's not me, but the sin that lives within me that's doing the thing that I don't want to do. It's you, baby. It's you. Because the same book will look at you and tell you the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Your intentions are deceitfully wicked. Why? Because you've been socialized in a deceitfully wicked, nasty, filthy, disgusting world. So it's in you. And it don't, it ain't separate from you. It's a part of you. Just like it was a part of your parents when they passed it down to you. Or wherever you picked it up from. It's you, baby. Ain't no boogeyman in you. It's you. And the more you come in contact with that, the better you'll be. The more work you can do to unpack that shit. I'm just fighting against sin. Sin is winning. The battle against sin. Oh, Lord, deliver me. Oh, Lord, you praying, Lord, deliver you. No, you do the work. Now, I don't know about a lot of you all, but I know I used to spend hours and hours and hours in prayer. And a part of that journey included doing some work, do, doing some, some, some getting down to the, 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 the nitty gritty of who I was and how I was showing up in the world. When I was in prayer, I used to get overwhelming feelings like you can't talk to people any kind of way. Those people are, 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 are people like you. Those people are God's gifts. Those people are God's people. You can't talk to people any kind of way. You got to watch the way you address people. When I used to pray, I used to get told you can't touch people without asking them you can't you, whether or not you can have consent to touch them. I used to start asking people, 
if I could pray with them. You don't just lay your hands on nobody in prayer, but that's this is the kind of stuff because I used to spend a lot of great a great deal of time in prayer and in meditation. Because I wanted to be true and good in my moral character. I ain't gonna say I'm not no I'm, I wasn't just as fucked up as everybody else. But the desire to be good, to be better, to 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 be righteous truly, to have integrity. Somebody, I remember somebody said one time, integrity is who you are when nobody's watching. I haven't always been the most integral person, but I have strived consistently to become more and more integral to integral to make amends to those people who I've harmed, to be accountable for my actions in a lot of ways, um, to talk publicly about the, who I used to be. Um, the way I used to talk to people, the way I used to show up in the world, and, 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 and in some things, you know, I, I was wrong, and sometimes it just was what it was. But the work you've got to do is not saying there's this demon or this sin. It's not, it's, not, it's not about the devil. It's you, baby. It's you. You the devil. You the devil. It's a, the, the saints are some of the most evil people you'll ever meet. <laughs> They're the furthest thing from a God you'll ever meet. Some of the most vile, nasty, mean-spirited. Why? Because they're focusing on the things outside of themselves that are that are that are bothering them rather than actually focusing on themselves and doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. What's your belief? That's my belief system. I'm almost done here. I ain't gonna hold you too much longer. But 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 uh, let's go back. Let's go. Let's 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 go back. Uh, uh, seven and eighteen. I know that there is nothing good in my sinful nature. But here we go. Here we go. Nothing good. Nothing good. Nothing good in me. I'm, I'm not good. That's what Paul is saying. Paul was miserable. And a sad, sad man. I used to believe this. There's nothing good in me. That's what religion. That's what 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 fundamentalism is all about. Letting you know how evil you are. How filthy you are. You're so filthy. You don't have no moral consciousness for yourself. You can't make any decisions for yourself. You don't have any autonomy. You are not good enough for God. You have to always spend your whole life begging and pleading with God to be good enough for him at the chance you still might not make it in. That's fundamentalism. Paul says, I don't do the good things I want to do. I keep on doing the evil things I don't want to do. I do what I don't want to do, but I'm not really the one who's doing it. It's the sin living in me. Here is the law I find working in me. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. When you, But when you want to be good, you will find... That when you remove all of this extra shit, that good will be present with you because you will know that you are good. Because you are fearfully and wonderfully made or you are evolved 
a beautiful being evolved, a beautiful being who knows right from wrong, who has the moral compass of understanding that you don't want to hurt other people because you've, you don't want them to hurt you. Of understanding that you're that that you have to love yourself fully and let that love spill out into the world into everybody you come in contact with because you are morally good there won't be a battle when you realize that you are good and you are capable of being good and doing good because you are good and you don't have to beg a thing outside of yourself to make you good. You can get good. You get good when ooh, we get good when we get accountable, when we get clear. When 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 we get honest. When we get real. That's how we get good. None of this is about getting good. This is Paul's self-loathing and foolishness and a lack of information and understanding. He says, but I see another law working in my body parts. It fights against the law of my mind. It makes me a prisoner of the law of sin. I remember, I remember saying stuff like this. Like I said earlier, it'd it be about the craziest shit. Like, 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 it's so natural for you to have sexual desires and desire to touch your body or desire other people who are attractive, um, to desire multiple genders. All that shit is so normal. But the church will make you hate everything except for the shit that's truly evil. They want you to hate everything and every part of you except for what is truly evil. Which is like wild to me. What are we even doing if we are not truly doing the work to become good people? To be humanist. To become people who care about one another. To become people who want other people to have health care. Who want other people to have resources and food and housing and quality education and a proper distribution of funds. Who want lower taxes for the poor and working class. Who want good, honest workplaces, worker laws and protections for workers. Protections for people who have disabilities, real protections, real help. They don't want that though, because their God is outside of themselves. Their God is so far beyond the distance. I remember we used to say, God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy. You are holy. We used to sing that song, God of wonders beyond our galaxy. Why is your God so far away from you? You ought to be the extension of that God in the world. 
And I'm not starting some new philosophy, some new way of being, and, 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 and everybody ought to follow it. But you ought to, you ought to understand that your God is too far out. Why is your God so far away from you? Why you got your God several galaxies over? Why your God ain't make you love yourself? Why you hate yourself? In the name of Jesus. You got the victory in the name of Jesus, but you hate yourself. You got the victory in the name of Jesus, but you shame yourself. You ain't forgave yourself from that thing you did 20 years ago, but, 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 you know, but you love God. You had a couple of, of abortions back in the day when you was in college and you had slipped up, but, but you can't forgive yourself and give yourself the grace that you would expect a God to give to you, but, but, but you love God. That's because you got a God way so far outside of yourself that you ain't even connected to it. That God is so high and mighty. You know, we should say, uh, high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love. You know, high and lifted up. Ooh, God so far away from us. Your God ain't never been close, huh? I'm going to wrap it up right here. You know, but I, I wanted to come down to what's going to be the title of this verse. Which, where Paul said, what a terrible failure I am. Who will save me from this sin that brings me death to my body? That motherfucker hated himself. You know, other verses, wretched, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And then he says, thanks be to God through Christ Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks be to God who's going to rescue him from his body of death. Ain't nobody coming to rescue you, Paul. You should have rescued yourself. Rescued yourself from, from the belief that you are scum. That your body is a body of death, worthy of shame, not worthy of mercy or kindness or love. Misery only. Should have rescued yourself. Paul didn't, but you can. Rescue yourself today. Love yourself today. Let love be a work that abounds in you ever, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever for all the days of your life. Let the work of love be in you, be with you, be through you. Grace and kindness. Give yourself the love that you would expect a God to give to you. The grace, the kindness, the long-suffering, the patience that you would expect a God to give you. Give it to yourself today. Let it flow in and through you all. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Surviving Fundamentalism, the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely, no, you probably, no, you will have a problem with this shit. I am the right Reverend Richie X, and I'll talk to you next time. The voice of God is a scam, not in totality, 
But the way popular Christianity frames it is such a scam. God's voice should lead us to acts of mercy, justice, kindness, affirmation, inclusion. God's voice should not produce self-doubt. If the voice of God in your life leads you to self-loathing, homophobia, self-doubt, condemnation, anti-blackness, judgmentalism, misogyny, or self-righteousness, you got scammed. We're going to unpack this on the Holy Smokes podcast this season. That has been the voice of Christian A. Smith. From the Holy Smokes podcast, go ahead and give it a listen. So long, farewell to you, my friend. Thank you so much for listening to Surviving Fundamentalism with Richie X. This is the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely gonna have a problem with this shit. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, things you want me to talk about, definitely hit me up on Instagram at Instagram.com slash Surviving Fundamentalism or Instagram.com slash Richie at it again. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to tell a friend, tell your mama, tell your aunties, uh, tell some people that's just questioning you know, get the people involved, run it up, run the numbers up. Okay. And I will be back next week.